Welcome to another episode of the Houdat Jedi podcast, episode 101. Am I going to start doing that now? Maybe. You never know until I start forgetting which episode we're on. But anyway, it, I know it's 101 because our last episode was 100. And tonight is a very special recording night because it is King's Day, 12th night, Joan of Arc's birthday, the start of carnival season, thou can't eat king cake, um, middle of uh, F the Falcons week. So anyway, but yes, uh, so it is now carnival time, as they say. So happy carnival, guys. Sorry. No, that's all good. That's all good. You know, it's funny because I actually met um, Al Carnival Time Johnson. Um, it was at uh, Satchmo Fest, and it was when they had officially. It was when they had Satchmo Fest down in uh, Jackson Square, and mm-hmm. had no idea who it was. Brittany and I are just sitting there, um, and these um, these people just sit down where we were at the same table, and um, and we're just talking. And somebody goes, "This is Al Carnival Time Johnson." I was like, "Holy." I, you know, so I'm Mr. Oblivious, but anyway, um, how are oh, you that guys? That is his official name. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, anyway, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing okay. Yeah, doing, pre- yeah, doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I did get my first pot of king cake, a Kalutas that I picked up over at Zapardos today. So we got one ours. Cake down. We got ours from Adrian's. We uh, live only like two blocks from Adrian's in Gentilly. So yo, Adrian. Yeah, if you live out of area, that is the uh, local superstition that you sh- cannot and should not partake in king cake prior to Twelfth Night. It causes hurricanes and saints' losses and COVID and all sorts of things. So Yeah, it causes everything bad. Everything bad yeah. is if you eat Don't king cake before or outside of carnival season, we should say. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, well, tonight uh, we're going to be tackling the book of boba fett chapter two um many banthas died to bring you this episode um how's that for a reference guys uh, <laughs> and i think actually we should uh we should lead with luke skywalker uh from the last jedi saying this is not going to go how you think um but uh we'll we'll, we'll talk about as the, we could, we're all going to do a little watch together and just talk about the episode as it goes along so um but first we got to do some trivia um but as you're listening to trivia if you want to queue up disney plus and we've just said you know skip the intro and skip the recap and then you'll see jabba's palace and that's where we'll start um but first some trivia um so fredo what toy darian merchant oh we might as well just stop right there. Name another Toydarian merchant besides the one that the answer to this question is. What Toydarian merchant doesn't fall for Qui-Gon Jinn's Jedi mind tricks? Waddle. Can you can you do it in the offensive uh, voice? The answer is Waddle. Toydarian, you know, Republic credits? I don't take the... I'm a Republic Toydarian. Yeah, sorry. I'm a Toydarian, only money. <laughs> <laughs> just, there's just no i mean geez come on george anyway moving on. It, it was like i don't uh, that is interesting that the phantom menace was just full of those it's like you know yeah. it's like if i know i know i know that the, you know we're in we're 2022 and we're a lot more woke than we were i mean it's like you watch i watch friends every now and again and how problematic friends is 
through, you know, you know, the lens that we look through today, mm -hmm. but yeah, Star Wars, like who, who thought that, yeah, that's a good idea to use that accent. Anyway, um, Dave, who thrills the Ewoks with campfire tales about the rebels exploits? Another softball. Yes, indeed. C-3PO. It is C-3PO. I'm not even going to look at the back of the card to confirm because I know that's right. All right. Well, I did like that, though, because in A New Hope, he says, I'm not very good at telling stories. Nope. Some people and call they, that a plot hole, Dave. They pay You that call off. it character development. Character development. Yes. <laughs> All right. So for me, who characterizes the Galactic Senate as having no civility, only politics? Oh, that's interesting. I got, hard one. I got the toughest one. Who characterizes the Galactic Senate as having no civility, only politics? Um, I'm actually going to say Palpatine. Ah, I'm right. It was Palpatine because that sounds like, you know, something a shady politician would say. That was when he shaved. Yeah, he was wormtailing uh, Padme to uh, vote for the uh, no confidence. That's right. That's right. Um, cool. All right. So uh, let's, before we hit play on this last week, I said one word, you know, and my, my word was, um, underwhelmed. I will tell you, I've moved up to whelmed. <laughs> You're with Fredo now. I'm, I'm now whelmed. Um, where where let's just just general general reactions when you saw this like i said just uh just the cliff's notes the abstract you know fredo well that's it yeah i'm gonna go with whelmed uh because it's going right along where i thought the story was gonna go and you know from from the first chapter to this one it just flowed seamlessly and so you're like yep we're catching exactly what we're gonna catch even though there were a few beats that kind of surprised so I'm still saying well, but the bar's been raised up a little bit. Dave? I'm going to say appreciative. Hmm. Because I'm not sure... We're going to get into this, but I'm not sure there are a lot of stories in mainstream media that tell these kinds of stories. Yeah, like I said, my... First of all, in watching some some people who really, like I said, I said last week, they they get paid to, you know, do a you know dissertation on every episode that's released on something, and I mean there are references to Lawrence of Arabia. There's, I mean, it's also, you know, basically a retelling of you know the westward movement in the United States and how the the railroad, you know was a problem for the indigenous peoples of, you know, of this land. Um, so there's a lot of heavy stuff going on in here. And all the while Boba Fett is, you know, gaining, like I said, just, you're, you're learning about his, how he went from where he was in empire strikes back and return of the Jedi to where he is now. Um, but I, you know, I just sit here and I just get nervous because I know we only got six episodes. And I was like, really? We're going to spend an entire episode chasing a train? Okay. I mean, I have to, mm -hmm. I have to pull myself back and say, 
let's look at the whole thing. Don't cast judgment. So like I said, I've moved up to whelmed. With that, let's just hit play on the count of three and one, two, three, play. I was going to say as we're loading it up and it's coming, uh, just, just to kind of play off of what you said regarding uh, trains and native peoples and everything. It's like, we again, we forget that the birth of Star Wars is a space Western. Yeah, yeah. So the idea of taking the space Western and flipping it on its side and looking at a different angle in that story is a great idea. I will say they've done such a good job at recreating these environments. You know, mm-hmm. it's the pe- they've put a lot of love into this. Um, just it looks like Jabba's Palace from 1983. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking yeah, of uh, 1983. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was going to say. Uh, yeah, and I was going to say 1983. Uh, we should remember, uh, commend uh, Return of the Jedi got added to the National Film Registry. <laughs> That's right true. on. True. We're saving. Yeah. We're saving it. Yep. So the 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 assassin, you know, we we hear the only Hatti swear word that anybody knows, Ichuta. Um, so you can you can uh, decide what that means on your own. Um, but they're trying to get him to talk. I like that eight D eight is in this too. I like that they used mm-hmm. the the torture droid um, as his kind of I don't know Greek chorus, if you will, but. Um, all right, so be honest. When he gets dropped into the Rancor Pit coming up here, mm-hmm. did you think we were going to see a Rancor? Were you hoping? Did you get up to the edge of your chair? I did a little bit. <laughs> I was kind of, I was wondering if they were going to pull out a Rancor just because, you know, it's such a big, iconic moment of Return of the Jedi. But at the same time, I was like, no, I, you know, because they want him to talk. They don't want him dead. So right. throwing right. him off by hinting that there's a rancor, it's, it's the perfect play there. Yeah. But I, like, did wonder, mm-hmm. I was going to say my brain raced ahead in that manner. It's like, if there is an actual rancor down here, how are they going to ensure that he survives long enough to tell them what they want? And so that sort of eliminated the possibility for me. I thought it was a bluff. <laughs> But at the same time, I did wonder if they did get a new rancor because we know where Java got his rancor now. Well, we know that was one of again. them. That's the big controversy is that, you know, the one we saw in um, Bad Batch, Bad that Batch. is not the same name as the one from Return of the Jedi. So he had, and of course, what um, Ming-Na Wen, uh, Fennec Shan says, you know, Jabba's menagerie. So, I mean, it stands to reason that there were multiple rancor. Um, mm-hmm. Rancor or rancors or rank eye um can i say too while we're on the topic of of her performance that i really liked her in this particular episode i I think she's been great in this character man you are you are not a net nerd then because people have come after her on her performance i thought she was great yeah she's nailing the character and what i love is she's presenting more of the traditional bounty hunter slash assassin slash member of the underworld point of view which is necessary and needed in order to show the growth and difference in boba fett's character like if she was just you know doing something different it wouldn't work i think you need her to be saying you need to be carrying a litter 
you should have so many bodyguards. You should be saying, killing all these guys. You know, doing the standard, this is the way things are done kind of thing. Whereas Bulba's like, no, I'm going a different way and you can see why. I like how they uh, get into, like, if you walked into any city hall, you know, it's like, no, you're not on the schedule. Fill out these forms. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's just, we're, our silence is kind of saying it's it, a kind of slow move and start. I mean, even though mm -hmm. we've already dropped a guy in a ranker pit. And by the way, there was a lot of Trandosians in the streets. I keep waiting for Bosk. And they just keep teasing us. There's no Bosk yet. Do you think we'll see him before it's all said and done? I, you know, boy, my, my, I, if I was a betting man, I'd say this thing's going to kick into high gear with mm -hmm. all sorts of these cameos, like come like next episode or something. But I just have a feeling that next time we're going to be like the Donner Party or something. I don't know. I feel like we're on Oregon Trail right now. Um, the well, the, the reason I bring it up is because Boss does have background with Boba Fett. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't. I th it's, it'd, make to it would make total sense. Um, mm -hmm. The events of this show would hint that he's going to have more attempts on his life in yeah. the very near future. So. It wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that we get more Bosk. And uh, mm. the mayor is obviously very corrupt. Uh, I thought that mm. this was a this was a really this was kind of like um, you know Al Capone talking with you know um, with an alderman or something like you know it just was. Um, you never, you never really think about how corrupt, you know, governments was the governments were on Tatooine. You never thought about governments on Tatooine, but anyway. Um, mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that the prequels did establish is that Tatooine was controlled by the Huts, so we know that, and we've known that you know for that ever since Jabba was gone. Now that Bib's been controlled, you always wonder did that mean that Bib was serving under the Huts or what? Well, also it makes you wonder, I mean, this is obviously post, uh, you know, the empire falling. So mm -hmm. everybody, I mean, how much of what the mayor was getting was going to the emperor. And so now it's like, mm -hmm. now it's time for me to get mine. And Boba Fett's saying, now it's time for me to get mine. So, you know, we know that this is obviously, okay. So the way this episode plays out, because eventually we're going to see pikes, we've got huts, We've got, you know, a corrupt mayor. Um, we are setting up for, you know, Timmy and the Battle of the Underworld. <laughs> the Lords of the Underworld. Um, you know, it's like we're going we're gonna to have all these factions, you know, going at each other. Um, right. Which is one of the interesting dynamics. We didn't, that mean, you would expect because Tatooine is so far out, it's controlled by the Huts, that the fall of the Empire wouldn't necessarily have impacted them as much as it would say Coruscant or another one of the core worlds. So in some ways, this might be the more you know, immediate act of rebellion happening here where the, you know, Boba Fett's coming in to overthrow the huts in a way. So what's, what's Jessica Beale's deal? What, what's where, where's her character? Is she, is she just, 
Where is she, why is she stuck in the middle here? This is interesting to me. Well, I, you, you see her genuine uh, discomfort at him being there, so she felt like she had to um, share the news if he didn't have it yet. <laughs> and or uh, he was already aware of the news and it was going to be just a really awkward situation where he might confront her over the situation. So, I, um, I mean, clearly she's trying to operate a business. Um at this stage of things, she's just caught in the middle. There may be right. more there, but for now, that's all the information that we have. Now, I got to say, this moment that is coming up now, this made me giddy. This made me mm -hmm. giddy when we go out and we see, I, I mean, I, I was like, literally, I just went, huts. And and they were, and I I know I don't mean woman right after that is even better but, in my opinion. But they're good looking. I mean, it's like they again the, the love that they put into this show because I mean that was a huge criticism of when they put Jabba in you know the New Hope special editions and stuff like that. These these look almost almost like puppet Jabbas, you know, but mm -hmm. they're CG and and I love how the 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 platform they have him on is bending in the middle um oh yeah the, the letter but but it goes to the point that everybody's been asking whether it's fennec or jennifer beals or the mayor they're expecting the damio of tattooing of Malseska to show up like this this is the pomp and circumstance that comes with being the lord of you know prime lord of this area and he's breaking all that so it doesn't immediately engender the, the apprehension that everybody got around them yeah you know here's the contrast to you know how he chooses to conduct himself is just this this is how it's traditionally done and and so now you're being faced with it um and they are in a position of authority just in a physical way here mm -hmm. they are looking down at him and, and, um, and right. the yes. trappings of it bestow upon him, bestow mm -hmm. upon them, all that power and authority. So I've that got. He's, uh, gotten. Sorry, I've got to interrupt because th this I have to give our listeners some background. If you were confused as to who this Wookiee was, is that, uh, there are deep cuts in this episode, kids. Um, this Wookiee is a bad A. This I'm this, this Wookiee Amazing. comes from the comics. It was in Darth Vader comics. Was in um, Doctor Afra. Um, name is uh, uh, Kirstan, Kirstantan, Chrysantan, Chrysantan, I think, Chrysantan, I think. But anyway, he is uh, yeah, he's a, he's a mercenary, ex-gladiator. Um, he uh, actually, I think he and Boba Fett worked together on a couple things. But the interesting thing here is, is that in the comic, um, he kidnaps, I think it's in the Darth Vader comic, he kidnaps Owen Lars. And so then Obi-Wan fights him to free Owen Lars and actually wounds Chrysanthemum. Um, and you notice he's got like a little gash over his right eye and that's like from Obi-Wan's lightsaber. So are we going to see, you know, are we going to repurpose the Wookiee for the Obi-Wan series, you know, coming up? Um, but anyway, that was pretty deep cut because when you see this it was like, it's like, who's this Wookiee? That's like, and it was obvious that I know you, you know me. So 
Dang and it! It's forcing all to, of us, forcing all of us to go diving into Google and you know diving buying comics and everything. But by the way, one interesting thought that I had as I'm rewatching it, yeah, he's the the death set right there is like it's such a good we're looking character to go too. One another. Yeah, uh, but one interesting thought that you know we got the assassins attacking Boba and Fennec in chapter one, and the assassin tells us it was the mayor who sent me. You know it's not the Huts. Why did the mayor send send uh, assassins to take out Boba Fett? Well, the other interesting question is Fennec Shan says, you know, if you want to kill him, you're going to have to get permission. Right. It's a lot like the who, who is like, uh, the who, mafia. Do they got, who do they got to get permission from? Mm-hmm. Usually within the mafia, you got to go above, you know, somebody higher. It's, you know, if somebody's a made man, so to speak. You can't touch him, otherwise... They all gotta come after you, so it's gonna go so after now, them. So now here we are at my criticism before Dave gets to make me make he gets he looks like he's gonna say something very smart. So I'm gonna say just my complaint real quick. Okay. Here's where it was like I thought this episode was going to like kick it into high gear and then we should have Luke Skywalker saying this is not gonna go how you think, because now we're <laughs> going back into flashbacks and we're back with the Tuscans. That being said, I like the story that's told with the Tuscans here, but it really kind of sent us into, you know, like a, a hard left. But anyway, Dave, you were going to say? Uh, I was going to say one brief thing that um, I feel like I saw in the background of the scene that we just left, uh, the couple that are being harassed by the bandits later in this episode. Oh, it- that may be a situation where they come into play later on. Another another deep cut. Mm-hmm. Really mm-hmm. big deep cut. Mm-hmm. But uh, I love this. Uh, I love everything about all of this. Um, I talked about this last week, which is that I think um, we don't acknowledge enough what this country was built on um in a lot of ways and and, and one of them is um the uh the fact that we took the land from the people that were here first and um i don't know if i i you know i went back and i thought about it some and i said like well are there really good examples of 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 taking the point of view of um, of the people that were here first and showing us their culture and sharing with us their viewpoint and helping us to understand um, you know why they had not only just um, a claim to the land that they were on but also um, that their way of life had meaning and value in that um I think when you just sort of try to pave that over and not even stop to recognize that, um, you're doing a tremendous disservice to yourself and um, everyone around you. And 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 so I, I get back to thinking about it, it's like, well, in pop culture, do we see a lot of examples of this? And we do not. Um, and you know, we have a we have a ton of examples like we talked about last week of the of the opposite. <laughs> the cowboys and the Indians and yeah. you know, uh, we're gonna we're gonna, you know, shoot them and we're 
win the West and all this, you know, rah, rah Americanism. By the, um, by the way, but, I'm going to interrupt you here real quick. Yeah. When this happened, my wife said they did not just kill a bantha. <laughs> they did, in fact. Did. It is a vi- and it's it is not a vi- the only one in this episode. <laughs> They're big targets, Aaron. Okay, I mean, to be fair, they're just very large. They're easy to hit. Um, yes, they had under. No, and that's one of the interesting things because at first you're like, why are these people? Because you don't know who they are at this point. Why are they shooting at the Tuscans? Why are they shooting at the Bentons? No, and my question is, where's the for- train come from? I'm that was <laughs> on Tatooine. I was like, what the. And then I was like, "Wow, okay, but yes, you're right. But why are they? Why are they shooting? Yeah, it's. Uh, but you and know, it's and it's the reputation of the Tuscans. It's the understanding of the desert and what they're doing. So, but again, uh, you know, they don't, they don't. But it gets to as as Dave was saying, the examples from in real life history, the stories of people on trains taking out their hunting rifles and shooting dead." Until number of bison across right. the Western Plains, and and yeah, just taking over people's lands, you know, so we could mm-hmm. get a train that went from you know coast East to coast. West, yeah. um, I so- want to I want to say too, like there's the possibility that when you do this sort of thing, when you pull from real life examples um, in a fantasy world, that it can become a little forced, you know. Oh, it's too close to what is real life. Like uh, the the diner in Attack of the Clones is one for me that just sort of was like, really, we're we're doing the diner thing, you know. So like, there's there are examples where it just doesn't work. Um, but I think I prefer this idea of going backwards instead of trying to go forwards. Like we're gonna predict the future, everyone, and it's going to be a desolate planet that's been ravaged by time and it's going to be post-apocalyptic and humanity will have destroyed itself and we're going to see the worst of humanity. There's something about Star Wars's approach. Again, and they say it in the opening crawl a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, they pull from history and they're, and they're trying to take these lessons from history and there's kind of a, like a there's just something a little more optimistic about that to me than mm-hmm. what you get in from like sci-fi as a general rule. And I appreciate that about it. I think the difficulty sometimes with science fiction, you know, particularly when it's trying to project towards the future is that it can be quite easy to either be over, overly saccharine, overly, oh, we're all kumbayaing at the end, or overly negative, we just destroy ourselves. And I think one of the things that they're trying to get at here is that we're not either angel or devil all the time. I mean, even in this instance, Boba Fett's going out there on a mission. We don't know what the mission is. He said he's going to stop the train. We don't know how. And But we also know that he's coming at it from a point of view that's not the Jedi's point of view either. Well, we got, And we got to talk about this real quick because, folks, in case in, this is another huge deep cut here. We are in Toshi Station. That is the <laughs> place that Luke was going to go get some power converters. And actually, they recreated this based on the go watch your deleted scenes um, uh, from on the Blu-ray. And this is they recreated this thing perfectly. And that is Cami and Fixer, Luke's friends. Luke. The one Cami was the one that took the binoculars from him to look and see to look for the the Star Destroyer. And Fixer was her boyfriend. 
And in the credits, they are literally Cami and Fixer. So, I mean, that, that is such a nerdy deep cut, you know, that was, it could have been just any, any hut, you know, and actually you're watching this, you you get the idea of what's going on, but the fact that it's in Tashi station, I mean, that is kind of cool. And they're actually, it, it makes me feel like Star Wars is now starting to get into some of that Marvel sensibility where the story is okay, even if you don't, you, you still get the story, even if you don't get the deep cut, you know? Right, because when I watched it, I had no idea. So therefore, it was perfectly placed fine for me as to, hey, there's this couple, they're getting bullied. These are the guys we know are killers, so they'll have no compunction about hurting them. And in the middle of them, here comes Boba Fett, and he's going to wreck shop. So if you had no idea who Cammy or Fixer were, it does not detract from your enjoyment of what you're seeing. And they didn't have However, a lame joke like after, after he gets done beating everybody. And by the way, a crotch hit always works in any galaxy. Um, but uh, at the end of it, he could have said something goofy like, do you have any power converters? Oh, God. Yeah, they went, yeah, they went womp, womp. But, so they, they want to do these deep cuts, but they're obviously, they, that's, I mean, that was an obvious, that's an obvious joke they could have done to you know, make people realize where they were, but, um, just leaving it the way Mm -hmm. it is, like you're saying, Fredo, it, you know, it works, but then once you realize what it is, it works on a totally different level. Well, the other thing is we know Boba Fett's never been a character of lots of being verbose. Making a joke at that moment would not have been a style, even as we're seeing him change. He's not the joking. He's not Deadpool. (laughs) So the um, okay, so we can do some character analysis here. He went mm-hmm. after the bandits that he'd seen previously. He went after them specifically because he didn't have any sort of moral um, conflict about taking their speeders. These are bad mm-hmm. guys. I'm going to take their speeders. And he needs a, he needs the speeders. They have them. If he takes them out, nobody's coming after him. And he can feel good about cleaning out some of the bad guys out the way. Yeah, so I think, like, the motivation there is... um, It's like, why did we see that scene last week? Well, that obviously that was setting this up. Well, it's also talking about even... Let's let's not make him in to be a saint just yet. There, there There is an honor... There is an honor amongst thieves. I mean, there is a code... You know, it's interesting in talking with, well, like, you know, Brittany said, her students have spoken openly about, you know, like, you know, there's a code that you don't, you know, you don't bring your fight, you know, like your gunfight to the school. You don't, you know, you have it in certain, there's, or there's the, uh, um, like I said, there's just, a, it's almost, it's kind of like in a Hawkeye, you know, mm-hmm. um, Yelena's beef was with, cliff it wasn't with um with clint. clint it wasn't with sorry yeah it was with was it it was with clint it wasn't with um kate bishop you know mm-hmm. she had to fight kate because she was in the way where she could have just very easily just killed her and killed then moved her. on so you know like i said i think we got to be careful not to make and i don't think you were doing that dave i'm just thinking you know people are trying to make boba fett now into this hero and uh, I, I think, like I said, there's 
there's progression is the, yeah. is the point it's like you know he's not luke skywalker uh but he's you know developing and changing and um i, I really like uh, i saw somebody make the comment it's like well well how does this work so far as a companion piece to mandalorian um and in Mandalorian, you're dealing with a good person who's trying to do bad acts. And in here, you're dealing with a bad person who's trying to do good acts. <laughs> and it, it's kind of like, yeah, their their paths are very different. And they're sort of crisscrossing well, in, 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 in di- opposite directions. Well, what's, what, what you're finding interest, what I'm finding interesting is we're seeing... Uh, we know that there's a reason why Boba Fett is forging a different path as he's trying to assume the role of crime boss of Mos Espa. Because he's not going the way that Fennec Shen's telling him to go. He's not going the way that anybody on Mos Espa expected, it, expected him to go, like the way everybody else would do it. So he's, there's got to be some kind of explanation as to why he's going a different way. This has given us that. He's has given us the growth and the development that he that happened you know to him in order for him to go but i, I can it. do this but i can do it differently but i see it from a from a, a little different perspective here that i i see he he's in a situation that he know he can't mm-hmm. get out of so he's got to somehow earn the respect of the of his captors and he i mean and so mm-hmm. the way that you earn trust and you earn respect you do that by being consistent by teaching people giving them something they didn't have before and so he's you know teaching them how to ride the speeders he's saying i'm going to help you take down the train you know all of this i don't think is out of the goodness of his own boy scout Mm. heart i think it's out of survival and out of him not being dumb and realizing that it's better to have these people as my allies than my enemy because i ain't getting out of here you know by you know beating my way out I also uh, think, though, that his guard has come down considerably. And, like, this is a person who has um, had zero family since his dad was murdered. Um, let's remember Omega's so, out there somewhere. <laughs> well, does he know that? We don't know yet. Um, but basically had no family, um, no real social groups for him to rely on you know he was he was working with thieves and murderers mm-hmm. and that was it that was those were the people that he associated himself with and so this is more of a camaraderie than he's probably ever had um where everybody's working together and looking out for one another and helping each other and again yep. like it it's self-interested to your point but this is also something new for him. And I think like, that's what they're trying to convey here as well. And what's interesting is, and by the way, I agree with everything you said Aaron, regarding his point of view, where he's coming at it from a point, he knows kind of what he's doing, but it's also, how does this, how is what he's doing here project outward? I guess that was my point is, we know that at some point, this is going, this is all influencing him as well. He's getting a sense of, of the tribe he's getting a sense of the group he's getting a sense of how to be part of now you're you know, you're with absolute, others you're 100 correct because there he's not been that before. you're 100 correct there because i had you know being a band director i saw that with students some of the kids that were quote unquote the worst students in the school you know 
came into band and they found a a place where they belonged and where they are accepted and where they could be productive and they were the best students in my class you know because of those things they couldn't play their way out of a paper bag but they you know they they tried hard and they worked hard and they belonged um and so you're 100 percent correct there i'm just saying let's pump the brakes on you know because we still mm-hmm. i st- i'm still waiting for the they're building us up they're they're suckering us into oh boba fett's changed his ways and he's just he's out for the little guy now and then the last episode he's going to do something shoot somebody right between the eyes and just be that go back to being that you know bad a that you know we all thought he was i'm, I'm just saying mm-hmm. i'm don't have any reason to say that, but I'm just, I'm kind of taking these a little bit with a grain of salt. It's uh, maybe I'm just not as trusting as other people, but um, you know, so. Because and well, I, and it's, a, it's a good point just because I mean, we're seeing him help the Tuscans. I mean, he clearly is helping the Tuscans, but he's also forming a bond with them regarding uh, their plight and their issues. So he's not doing this just a hundred percent or because he's a kind guy. I mean, you wouldn't expect him to do that. He knows what he's doing. Well, let's get back uh, to the. By let's, the way, let's get back to the Mandalorian. To, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Fred. I was just gonna say, you know, there's nothing more of a Western thing ever than people racing alongside a train and jumping on board, while people on the train try to shoot them down. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it's like Western 101. Oh, I can't remember what I was gonna say. Oh, it's all right. Uh, uh, so like. Boba Fett, we don't know where he's going to end up. It's the point, right? And that's 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 good drama. We don't. We we want to think that like he's changed or that he's the hero of this story, but ultimately he may still be a bit of a villain. Um, I I think like ultimately with the series, there's, there's a lot of things that I hope that I hope they try to achieve and, and do achieve here. But I think like one of the biggest things is the just the question of why did you want, of all things, like for yourself, why did you want Jabba's throne? And mm-hmm. like I, I that didn't make a lot of sense to me, character wise. I was like, well, he's a bounty hunter. You know, <laughs> it's like that's how he kept getting dismissed in this episode for, by people. Right. It was like, well, you're just that bounty hunter. Right. And uh well, that's how, that was always our impression of him, and so like it was an interesting choice to say, "Oh, well, he's going to kill the Fortuna, and he's going to claim this throne." Um, why? I mean, like again, well, why this? Why this specifically? You know, does he feel wronged? Does he feel he can make a difference in this community? Does um, you see, know? There's I th- a lot. I think I, I, lean, I lean towards, you know. I've been getting screwed my entire life. It's time for me to get mine. And I, I mm-hmm. see I see Boba Fett as opportunistic. Um, by the way. Yeah, he was off world, though. By the end of Mandalorian, he had his ship. He had his arm. That's what I, I'm sorry, but that's what I was going to say um, earlier is that I don't necessarily think that he helped Din get Grogu again out of the kindness of his heart. We've, if anything, we've seen in these in this first couple episodes is that he is weak and frail, so he has to you know take a back to bath you know a couple times a day, you know he, it only gets him so far. I think he recognized that he was not going to win that fight against Din Djarin, and so it's like again, all right, let's play the long game. 
I'll help you get mm-hmm. this kid. I'll do this part and then I'll get my armor back and all will be good. Um, I don't know. Because one, one another thing that, you know, you know, kind of dawns on me, he clearly knows whenever, when we see him at the first episode of season two of Mandalorian, he clearly knows where his armor is. Because by this point, Cobb Vanth has been wearing it for a while. Why did he not go get it? Why did he wait until Din claimed it, took it off world? Why did that change the dynamic for him? Because he was living in the desert, wearing uh, Tuscan uh, gear and having a gaffy stick. But then the fact that his armor left Tatooine meant he had to go get it. So we know that there's a reason for that somewhere in here. By the way, kids watching at home, uh, the people they've been fighting on this train are members of the Pike Syndicate. You saw them first, uh, well, in the Clone Wars. You saw them in Solo. Um, they were on Kessel. Um, you also saw them in, um, were they in the Bad Batch? They weren't in the Bad Batch. Not this season. But maybe, I mean, they, maybe they the were. Maybe they, maybe they were. Anyway, but um, Clone Wars definitely season seven and obviously earlier seasons of the Clone Wars. Um, so again, part of this crime syndicate that Darth Maul, you know, Darth Maul took the Pikes and the Huts and Black Sun and, you know, Crimson had, so he created this crime syndicate. That's why I still think we're, we're going to, we're going to get a Kira, um, element here. I think, I think, uh, uh, Crimson Dawn is going to be, and this is funny It's you know, do you have any spice? What do you mean spice? What spice? You know, like I don't know what that is, officer. I thought that was potpourri. You know, it's like (laughs) this was this was just such a funny scene. Well, this is again. uh, We don't know where this story is going to go with Kira or whomever might be um, pulling the leash of the Pikes in this on this planet in in this situation, and so. there's very much the possibility that this act for him caused retribution. Um, Mm -hmm. And we may see more of that. It may have occurred prior to him taking the throne, which is the part of the point of all of these flashbacks. We may get to that point and see what happens at the end of this particular story. Um, Or it may just, you know, it may come to roost uh, in in the quote unquote future after this, um, after he's already strutting around with his armor and feeling uh, good about himself. But um, yeah, there's a lot of potential tie-in there, and again, I I think it sort of hints at this. There, I think there's a bigger point to why he chose this place. And I think like that's what they're trying to show us, and that's what they're trying to let us know. Again, the vision quest—we're going to get that here in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't just do that. <laughs> that's a very—that's a very, very personal spiritual journey to take, um, and that's not something that you just show up in a tribe and are like, "Okay, I'm just going to do the thing." Yeah, but they, uh, because they shoved a lizard up his it. nose. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, but. Yeah. Um... Um, but there's there's a very deep connection that I sensed that came from that experience. And they forming his own weapon, you know, all of these things that that are that are traditional rites of passage. Um, it, it's 
he has more of a connection here is what I'm trying to get at. And I'm wondering if there's going to be even more reason for him to want to make this place his home, his permanent home, and, and to, to try to make it better. Um, whether he's a good guy or a bad guy or however we want to define any of that, um, I'm interested in, in finding out more about why he feels so connected to Tatooine now. And I think there's more than than just, oh, there's a power vacuum and he's going to step into it. Right, because we know that it's, you know, he's getting those Kamino flashbacks. So we wonder how that's going to come into play. The Tuscans really like wasting water. Just saying. <laughs> Really, what's looking at, at that whole sequence, and I was, I was thinking space western, yes, but I was also thinking like Lawrence of Arabia. Part of me was like Boba of Tatooine, you know, because it's a very similar in nature, just the whole sequence with the train. But again, he's gaining the respect of the Tuscans. He's partnered a deal where, you know, they will now get some sort of uh, payment from the Pikes for crossing the Dune Sea with the Sansana Spice. You know, and they're stopping all the shooting. What we also got going on here is a little bit of, uh, oh, what was the Kevin Costner movie? Uh, Dances with Wolves. Um, mm-hmm. A little bit. You, you asked, you know, Dave, about mm-hmm. seeing, you know, we ever see things from That's the perspective. One. That's yeah. one. Well, if, midway through the movie, you get that, you know. Yeah. Once, um, there's a lot of similarities here. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's a. Uh, Again, he's he's earned their trust to now become, you know, mm-hmm. a part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, this very special ceremony. But, um, but again, I come back. I was every time I we get to a new scene, it's like it goes in a place where I didn't think it was going to go. It's like what, what, what? Okay. Um, <laughs> and especially the lizard. I mean, yeah. I mean, but it. Like I said, it's. It's awesome, but I mean, let's go back to what we. I think a lot of us were expecting. Me, we're not expecting this for the book of Boba Fett. But now, as I stop and I think about it, and as they were saying that this was kind of Mandalorian two point five, again, like we've said many times, it's it's explaining, you know, why, where, how Boba Fett got into the picture here. So it's it's kind of like, you know, it's oh in, um. Oh, I won't get that nerdy, but it's like it. We just have to take an offshoot, and now mm-hmm. you know the the rest of the story is progressing. But we're going to tell this story over here, and then we'll go back into the main line a little bit later. Um, but I, yeah, I again, didn't kind of like. No, I go was going to say just. No, I was going to say uh, we know where the story the story with the Tuscan sends. It ends with him staring at that dune, seeing that uh, Din Djarin driving off with his armor, and him turning around walking towards the camera. So in some ways we know where the story with the Tuscans goes because he's got to be there at that moment. But what's going to be interesting is how this ties into the forward storyline that we're following with him trying to lay claim to the to Jabba's throne and Masespa. Apparently the red eyes in the uh, tree are Jawas. That's what it kind of looked like in the, uh, in the art at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm whether or not this is an actual tree or he's just tripping. I guess he does come, no, back, with he comes back with a branch. That's right. He does. Yeah. Although at the same time, I'm also like, is this kind of like when Homer Simpson had the hottest uh, pepper ever? <laughs> he goes to that vision quest. 
<laughs> I found this the shot here where young Boba is watching Slave One fly off Camino. Um, that I mean, that's obviously that, very telling. You know, Dad's gone away on another mission, so he had mm-hmm. a dad, but he didn't really know his dad because Dad was always and then he was gone. Thinking. So now cue yeah. up cats in the cradle, you know. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> no, yeah, that's. I think we ver- we verbalized that Kate and I when we were watching this. It's like mm-hmm. he didn't but really have a dad. The dad was gone. Like mm-hmm. technically had a dad, but the guy was off. You know killing people all the time and never got to see him he was on his own but and it's also that's you know how that ties into the other scenes because we're seeing him from the point of view of him trapped he sees the helmet of his dad put his head somewhere but then he's also trapped inside the rain the 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 sarlacc pit getting squeezed out and digested and him struggling to stay alive so it kind of puts it into a perspective where he's always felt alone and kind of trapped, unable to kind of do anything but what he's been stuck as. So, trapped within the armor, trapped trapped as Django's kid. So we are the the Hoodat Jedi podcast. So let's get into a little bit of New Orleans here for a second. Because, you know, we've been talking about the historical references, you know, and and understanding the, the Native American culture and things like that. Take this to present day. And the uh, the little amount of time that we take to understand our neighbors and understand you know who the people are in our neighborhood you know and new orleans is one of those things where it's you it's it's very touristy to come down and say oh look at the the people in their colorful outfits you know dancing around on mardi gras day and it's like well let me tell you about the mardi gras indians you know mm-hmm. and why you know, why they do the things they do, what, how they put these suits together and why they're doing this. You know, let's, let's talk about, you know, the different traditions, you know, musically or just the different traditions culturally here or throughout the country. And that's, I mean, and I I think a bigger thing is being said in the, if I, maybe I'm getting way too artsy fartsy, but it's like, Hey kids, if you take the time to get to know, how the other cultures around you work, then there'll be greater acceptance and you'll feel like you fit in more and you'll, you know, you'll have a sense of community. You won't be as isolated. It goes to the idea of cultural appropriation and uh, versus acceptance of a culture that's uh, always being waged and discussed, not just in the world's world, the globe, the idea of when are you part of the tribe versus when they're just taking the tribe's trappings and culture and traditions and just putting it on without recognizing the value and importance. Uh, Boba, we've seen in these two chapters, this journey from being a character who was on the outside not being accepted, dressed as one of their own, trained as one of the Tuscans, but not considered one of the Tuscans because he's not only shown his value to the Tuscans, but also because he's taken the time to learn about them, you know. The, um, you know, the one thing that comes to mind for me, Aaron, about what you're talking about is this homogenization of our culture and, and how like, you know, every 
every city in America ends up looking like every other city in America because, you know, like we've got the Chipotle next to the Starbucks next to the other thing, you know, and it's just, um, we lose something, uh, mm -hmm. as a, as a culture when, when, when it's all the same everywhere. And, um, Again, you know, that's probably not the larger point that they were necessarily trying to make here, but it, it it is something that occurs to me as well, which is just like, yeah, no, like, look at this, right? This example with the with the brandishing of the weapon, and and we're going to we're going to help you create this 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 amazing tool that will help you survive ultimately, and it's there's this tradition in making it just the making of it only the one guy knows how to do this and he has to pass that along to whomever comes after him so that that trade won't die so that their whole tribe won't die um it's important on that level just from a basic survival um level but like above and beyond that that it, it is important to not lose these things um, and, and I think like, again, that's, it's, it's a lovely sentiment, um, to see him like here, here trying to learn this, you know, learn more, but they showed him how to use the weapon earlier. And now he, he's learning how to craft one. Um, well, and it is very Jedi like, by the way, mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. he's, he's making his own lightsaber right now is what it is. It's like, so mm -hmm. the, the Tuscans and the Jedi are not too different from one another which makes me wonder if we'll see more tuscan if you know stuff with obi-wan because he's also been running around these sands you know for quite a while but also just because that idea of that there's always been historically a, a relationship between warrior peoples and their weapons you know the connection that's bonded that's established that okay this you know part of your part of the weapon the weapon's part of you uh, you can't just simply separate the two. That's why you have to make your own, so to speak. But also thinking about it in terms of New Orleans, I was just thinking of all the Mardi Gras Indian tribes and how they spend all year with thread and needle, working all year for a suit that only see the light of day once. And yeah, yeah. that that's something that passed down generationally. Like you don't just go and uh, pay uh, a fee to go attend a a course somewhere and you get to learn how to do it. No, you have to committed because there's a value that goes beyond just the tools and the techniques that you're learning there's a value that's intrinsic to the existence of the thing that goes beyond it and part of, uh, unless part of the culture and if you don't recognize that you cannot have access to it now again as 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 much as i like i said i enjoyed this episode and i said that i am whelmed um and i think the only reason why i'm not like over the moon and a little concerned is that, like I said, what, what we're getting six episodes that we're getting mm -hmm. and we're, so we're a third, we're a third of the way through and we still don't really have an inkling of where this story is going. Now, if it's going to be just a bunch of vignettes of how, how I became a Tuscan, I mean, cool. But I mean, it seems like they're trying to with, you know, with the promos and with, the stuff at the beginning of the episode it seems like we're trying to set up in any book you would have a clear protagonist antagonist and you know a motivation or at least a hint of the motivation 
um, for where we're going to be going. And I don't see that yet. And I just hope this doesn't get into what we've had in previous series where it's like the last episode has got to be a lot of hurry up to get to the payoff. You know, hurry up and finally put the pieces together. Like if you think like it's, if his ultimate goal is not become Tommy of Moses, but it's, Oh, I want to get revenge on somebody or I want to, you know, free whoever. And that doesn't get explicitly stated by next episode. Do you think you worry that we're they're playing the cards too close to the chest and we're not gonna get to connect emotionally with it? Well, yeah. I mean it's just it's just like I said, in in the previous series, whether it'd been some of the Marvel ones or you know, the it, it just seems like there's a lot of there's a you know we build up for about five episodes and then the last episode, it's like, Oh crap, we got to get all this. It's like, you've realized that the project's due tomorrow and you got to, you know, get all this stuff in. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's so, I don't know. And I, I know that they're all getting comfortable with and playing with this new Disney plus, you know, scenario, oh, no. mm-hmm. but you know, again, it'll be interesting at the end of all this, I might be totally proven wrong, you know, and like I said, going back and watching all six episodes, one after another and saying, all right, yeah, there's a good flow here right now. It just right now. It just makes me uncomfortable. Like, you know, because speaking of flow, I know that one of the criticisms that some people had was the fact that episode one was only 38 minutes and everybody was so disappointed in it. This one, everybody just fell over the moon, but it was 52 minutes. So, makes you wonder where why the cuts are happening where they're happening you know and we know that disney plus has never been one for everything's got to be 40 minutes but then what what is willing to go but but why are they cutting the way they're cutting why you know and what i need is i need somebody just to sit down next to me and just say just shut up enjoy the story because again (laughs) you know it's like we had to wait years upon years for new star wars stuff it's like somebody's telling you a story aaron just sit down and shut up and just enjoy you know and shut up and enjoy the story just send me a text next wednesday okay just shut up and enjoy six in the morning six in the morning but you know know what i mean and i i think it's because everybody's got a podcast i mean we have a podcast everybody's on youtube it's like everybody's you know so we've got to have some hot take and something to talk about where i just um and i'm getting better and i don't think that my concern is unwarranted because it is kind of like it's it feels like i'm watching the lord of the rings trilogy with all due respect it's like wow okay are we can we get up the mountain a little bit quicker you know um but anyway i don't feel that way at all but i also take your point which is just like well okay there's only six episodes and now we've burned through two of them and so you know are they going to be able to tell the story they want to tell and i I'm still very hopeful and optimistic because of what I've seen, because I have enjoyed what I've seen. Uh, I really like this show so far. I I think, Mm -hmm. I think like the biggest thing that like struck me the other day when I was thinking about it was just that I've been kind of burned out on all the Marvel stuff and I haven't been super interested in continuing to consume it in the same way that i had been before where i was invested i gotta go to every movie and i've gotta watch all of it and and i think it's just a little bit of burnout because we got all these shows um 
You had a well, few movies. movies. Yeah, I had a few movies this year, and I've got a, I've got like four, I think, scheduled for next year, um, along with a few more shows. And um, I think there's like, gosh, we've talked about this, and we've gone back and forth about how Star Wars can kind of leave you thirsting in the desert for more content, but like right now, well, it's, I'm I'm happy about you that. You know, it's uh, it's it's tricky. It's like um the band that has a, a gig at the same time every week and never, it never stops. Um, it's not as much of an event as the band that comes to town once a month. And mm-hmm. it's like this band's in town, you know what I mean? And I, that's why mm-hmm. like you talk about with the Marvel and with star Wars, that is my concern is that it's going to become, you know, it, it just, we're going to, we're, we're just going to get lost in all, all the stuff. Um, and it's like, I need a little bit of a break. You know, you're smothering me, you know, star Wars. Um, but however, I want well, to ask you if but they you could, haven't been is the point. Like, well, like but I, it's, it's going to get that way heads up in 2022, 2023. It's going to, it's going to ramp up now, not to the Marvel extent. Marvel is like, they're jacked up on juice and doing all sorts of things. Um, but mm-hmm. let me ask, let me ask you this. If and I want and I, I want you to be and give me the most honest answer you can. But if you could get in the DeLorean and go back, you know, a few months when you saw the first Book of Boba Fett trailer, and tell, you know, your past self, hey, this is what the first two episodes of the Book of Boba Fett is. What do you think your previous self's reaction would be? Nobody. What'd you say, Fredo? I mean, I said okay because realistically, I still don't know that we know. Like I said, we don't know exactly where we're going. I've liked what I've seen, and I've enjoyed it, and it's been an interesting and fun journey. So I'm in, so I'm down with whatever comes next. But I'm not just saying, you know, it's not like I'm like, oh, really? That's what it's about? No, I would I wouldn't be feel disappointed with it because I'm not. I'm enjoying it. But I'm also going like, okay, can you tell me more and that that's the one thing I've noticed that I'm liking about it. Is All right, let's take the let's, ends, I'm happy. Let's All take more. let's take the DeLorean back even further. Let's take the DeLorean back to 1987, Fredo, and say, mm-hmm. hey, guess what? There's going to be a six episodes that's just going to focus focus only on Boba Fett, just Boba Fett, and you're going to get six episodes. And here's what the first two episodes are. Uh, for first of all, all my thoughts would have been in Spanish because I didn't know English at the time. Simple one, but two, now I would have been like, "Oh my gosh, that would have been that's again." Ten-year-old me would have been like freaking out, just like that's so cool. I want to see more. I want to see more. I think you're so that's... full of crap. I think you're so full of crap. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I think. I th- how old? How old were you in 1987? Ten. Ten. All right. So you would have said Ten. what? That's what the yes. first two episodes of the Boba Fett show is going to be about. It's not going to be about him going whomping and a whooping and shooting everybody down. He's going to be learning how to fight with a gaffy stick. I you mean to tell me you're getting one shoot uh, one shooter in the middle of of, uh, of town. You're getting one massive chase uh, trains chase sequence. You're getting at least one. Man, I would I would uh, sleep fight, so much. So. I would sleep so much better if I was more like you, Fredo. I just I, I would. I, you're you're uh, you're at Zen, and I'm not even to Bodhisattva yet. So, 
I can give you a real life example, which is my children who are watching it with me and they really like it. You know, yeah. and again, there there are those elements of Star Wars, the Star Warsy things that are there, the action beats and the mythos and uh, the spirituality and, um, you know, this the kind of that that morality that is very clear. Um, like those are the good guys. Those are the bad guys. I understand this. And they flipped it here, which is so clever, but they needed to. I needed to see something like this, I think. Uh, and to your and to your point and to your point, I, I'm and I, I you know I'm saying that you know I would have like really that's what the first two episodes are going to be. That's what they had to do with Boba Fett because everybody was expecting, you know, a certain thing. You know, present company excluded because you guys are on a much different plane apparently than the rest of us. But you know. Everybody was expecting, you know, a certain thing, and I think that's why some people are just hopping mad, you know, and you know, and being you know hypercritical it, of it. But this is exactly what they had to do. It's kind of like it, it, it's like the band who, well, it, well, it's U two doing Zuropa. Mm -hmm. You know, it's but like you know what? It's it's related to the same issue that everybody had with Luke and the Last Jedi. If you had gotten the Force Awakens. And didn't know anything, and you just got dropped into the Last Jedi. I can understand why people got upset with the Luke Skywalker that they got. But the fact you got the Force Awakens, you knew that things went bad. You knew that it all went to McClunky and backwards. The only place where Luke could be is where he was in Last Jedi. Yeah. Having gotten Mandalorian season two and seen the Boba Fett that we got there, it totally makes sense what we're getting this Boba Fett in the series. Oh, just because. We're not going to get the, you know, McClunky bad McClunky. Uh, bunny hunter because he's not that anymore. That's been stripped from him. Just just wait until we get to the last episode and Boba Fett cries. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you're just, okay. you're just trying to get people riled up. Yeah. And, and, um, it'll, and the closing, it'll close with uh, uh, Max Rebo doing when doves cry. But I will say, I this episode, the only thing I want now after seeing this episode is I want I want to see more of that Wookiee uh, because that, um, that yeah, was all oh, that, that costume was so good. And whoever was acting under that, I mean, just the looks were just so good. Um, yeah. And like I said, I, I mean, and There's the thing that's, in that. and like I said, the thing that's frustrating, however, is that we see those great, you know, huts, the time that they, they spent all their money on the huts. And then they are like, came up with the claymation you know centaur dude that we fought in the last you know in the first episode it's like mm -hmm. um so you know it's uh it's just interesting where there there is a quality difference in from here to there um but not, I, I i like the overall quality though to that point and this is what i when whenever you you put me on the spot and you say oh what do you want from this series or what do you want from this movie or that you know and i'm like i want something i haven't seen before and i want a standard of quality in terms of how it's shot and how the music and the acting and everything else um i just it needs to be top notch and this is top notch so far i mean like again you can pick in your nits here and there but um when you were talking about java's palace i'm like yeah it's perfect 
Um, I got no complaints about that. I got no complaints about Tatooine. It feels and looks like Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Um, it just I love the flower shots of Mos Espa. Every time we see them, oh I yeah, love that shot. Oh, so like... much better than the stuff we got from the special editions, you know. And it just and it looks like a real friggin' city. Now, now uh, let's. I mean, let's. You know, again, let's not let's not drag the special editions too much through the mud because <laughs> you're you're dealing with that's like you know yeah. complaining of that you know comparing your. Um, we don't. We're, we're streaming music now. We don't even load music on anything anymore. Versus your Walkman from 1985, um, but uh, you know and. It is clear what George Lucas was doing and that ILM and Lucasfilm recognized what George Lucas was doing with the special editions and with the prequels was that was all about technology R&D. It was all about movie making technology R&D. I mean, they could have they could have written they could have just made those put those stories into a book. And that would have been fine. You know, we would have learned what the what the history you know, what came before A New Hope, but it was all about like R&D. The Book of Boba Fett, perhaps? <laughs> That's what they're doing now. They're laying the groundwork for the next generation of these stories. So, all right, well, let's uh, totally shift gears as we wrap up. This is, like I said, F the Falcons week, and we got the Falcons on Sunday, and... At the same time, the 49ers are playing the Rams. And if the 49ers lose and we win, we are in the playoffs. Do you think this is going to happen? Well, Vegas thinks it's going to happen because the Saints are favored. (laughs) The Saints are favored and the uh, uh, Rams are favored. So um, I would love for us to get in the playoffs and do two things. I don't even want us to get to a Super Bowl. I don't care if we get to the Super Bowl or not. I want to do two things. I want to play the Rams because if we were to get in the playoffs, we'd probably be playing the Rams the first game. We won. And I want mm-hmm. to beat them. I want to get back mm-hmm. at them. Then I want the next game to be against the Bucks, and I want to beat them. And then we can all just just leave. I mean, I just, this, is, this is revenge time for me because we're – I mean, uh, that's that's all I want. That's all I want. Um, well, unfortunately, we wouldn't play Tampa Bay unless we're playing in the NFC Championship game. Because say we say, and I do think we will beat Atlanta. I do think the Rams will beat the 49ers because if they don't, they don't. They may not even end up as the second seed. They may end up the fifth seed. But if we beat the Rams as the lowest seed, we would have to go to Green Bay the next week because we because the only place we can slide and slide into is the seventh. And Lois always has to go to the highest. So well, then I guess we would have to go. Then I guess we. Go. I guess this just has to be major league. We're just going to have to, you know, win the win whole the, effing thing, you know. Um, but yeah, which would be the greatest thing ever seen? Because I don't, I don't think even say, I can't think of anything that would equate to it. It'd be the most improbable thing in sports, professional sports. Somebody mm-hmm. said, I, well, maybe it was. I can't. I can't remember where I heard it. it maybe the Saints Happy Hour podcast or one of the mm-hmm. journalists tweeted it. Said. Uh, Sean Payton is one game away from coach of the year, given all the things that we have gone through and what he, you know, how many quarterbacks, you know, how many offensive lines, you know, I mean, that's why, that's why I said, that's why the Patriots beat the Falcons in the Super Bowl 
was not mm-hmm. necessarily player talent with all due respect they the coaches were able to adapt on the fly and you know make things work um so sean is just yeah that's i he's probably gonna drink heavily after this season he needs a month off on vacation and actually i was thinking like in terms of improbable things the only other thing that would compare to the saints somehow someway winning the super bowl this season is back about six years ago in the premier league a team that was just almost relegated means they just escaped falling to the lower division came up and you know won the title the next year which was i believe the odds were either 501 or 5000 to 1 and it was the kind of thing where you go this will never ever happen again in my lifetime so seeing it again just six years later i'll be like because i because i'd love to see what the odds would be on the saints winning the super bowl should they make the playoffs because it's not going to be any high number defenses win championships and uh yeah yeah (laughs) it's not going to happen but uh... no i mean (laughs) this is a pipe this is a pipe dream like i said that's why i said i want two things i want if i and if i can just take down the rams then that's fine if i can just take down the bucks that's fine um I do. I do want to see the team get into the playoffs and make a little bit of noise. Um, that's, kind of, that's kind of been my ceiling. My ceiling has always been, given everything that's happened, make the playoffs and win a game. And anything beyond that is just like, okay, well, but first, you know, following week we go to Green Bay and we get the doors blown off of us. Like, but first, let's you know, just we beat the Falcons. Be let's just beat the Falcons yeah. and everybody. I know we're all going to be checking the 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 Rams 49ers score, but. Just root on your Saints. That's it. Don't let's, worry about the other stuff. Let's make Thomas Morstead work a lot. I want to block his punt, too. That would be fun. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, um, thanks for listening to us for the uh, second episode of Book of Boba Fett. Um, you can remember, just hit us up on Twitter and on Facebook and let us know what you thought of the episode, What are you, how you're digging it so far. Um, and uh, But until then, again, happy carnival to everybody. And... Uh, we will say who dat and uh, beat the dirty birds. We'll see y'all later. Makanki.